Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Today's Bible reading comes from Acts 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them his command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. When they look, were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Just going to repeat verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Thank you, uh, Helena. Thank you, band. Wonderful sense of the presence of God. Um, morning, church. How are we all doing? Good. That's nice. You're actually awake. Good to hear some noise. We'll hear a lot more noise by the time we finish this sermon, I hope. Uh, it's... Um, it's great to be preaching in this book of Acts. We're just going this morning to be focusing on one verse. So it would be very easy to follow. So, but actually, I'd still encourage you to have your uh, Bibles or your apps or your uh, mobile phones, whatever you have, open. Um, and I've titled this morning's message is The Need for the Hour is Power. Um, I think it's the need for every hour of a Christian's life. It's the need for every hour of a church's life. So I'm just making sure you're awake. The need of the hour is... I didn't quite hear that. The need of the hour is... Power. Okay, well, we'll repeat that a few times as we go through this message. Um, illustration number one this morning is a piece of wood. This is a piece of wood that uh, was my first ever attempt at um, using a lathe and making Heather a candlestick. Now, uh, there's not a great deal of skill in making a candlestick, I'll be honest, but there is one particular skill you need to learn very quickly, and my neighbor was teaching me how to do this, is you need to learn how to 
go with the grain. If you look at that piece of wood or you could hand it round, there is a grain in it where the tree grew up and the vessels that grew with it to provide life to the tree all sort of work together. When you come to plane or to uh, lathe and, and cut with a chisel into this to make the, the, the candlestick, you need to go with the grain. And uh, so that's what I did. I, I, this man was showing me how to do it. I got one of these chisels. He lent me a chisel and I'm going with the grain. And it's quite easy. It's quite nice to go with the grain. All the wood's flying around and this is great. And then he left me and I thought, well, do you really have to go with the grain? What about if you went against the grain? Because that'd be quite fun as well. Now, if you look at it very carefully, you'll see a great big hunk of chips off at the bottom. Because the truth is, if you go against the grain, you make a mess of things. And this is really, really important illustration just to try and un help you understand the book of Acts. When we come into this book of Acts, there is a flow and when you go with the flow of the story, this story didn't begin, the church's story didn't begin in Acts chapter 1. It began in Genesis chapter 1. The story of Scripture has a, has a narrative and a flow that is really important we get hold of because when we get caught up with what God's doing in the flow of what's God doing, we get moved along by the Spirit in the flow. But when we go against that, we find we make a mess of the church. We find we make a mess of our life. In fact, prayer is all about going with the grain, praying with the grain. And the grain of the story of the scripture is the Father has a plan that centers around exalting his son, lifting up his son, both on the cross and then raised eternally to the Father's right hand, and the Father gives the Son the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what the Son gives the church in order for the mission of God to exalt His Son is finally completed at the end of history when all eyes will see Him and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the plan, the eternal plan of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, not three gods, one God in three persons to glorify the Son. And when we divide the Trinity, when we just use the word God instead of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we can end up praying or doing things that is contrary to the very will and plan of God. And today's verse is a very important verse to get in the flow of what the Father and the Son have eternally willed from all eternity for the church is that you and I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And the need for the hour is power. Three of you have got that. That's great. By the end of it, we will be there. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It says in Luke 3.16, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The Christian life is meant to be a life characterized by the life of the Spirit. We cannot do this life without the Holy Spirit. Now, Pentecost was clearly an exception. A wonderful exception, the sort of birthing of the church, the, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on that assembled group. But in some senses, it's a prototype for every age. 
that we need the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon the church in order for the mission to be supernaturally carried forward in our day, in our generation. And the need for every Christian church, the need for Westminster Chapel is Holy Spirit power. The need of the hour is power. Because we need to stand up in the age in which we're living, which is anti-God, our nation, our culture. To use the word of Jesus is not popular. But whatever we do, wherever we stand, wherever we work, wherever we live, we need to know the Holy Spirit on us to live differently. And you say to me, does it really matter? I don't know how many of you saw the tragic situation in Sheffield recently where a person went to rescue a lady in the middle of the street and a car drove into him and killed him. Did you see that on the news? A man's name was Chris Marriott. He was a New Frontiers elder up in Sheffield. And he was a man who lived to love the poorest in that city. He was a man of great integrity. He was one of us, brothers and sisters. And in the need of his hour was power as he went to help the most needy person and his life was taken away. See, living in the power of the Holy Spirit is not an experience that we can just sort of fall over and write about. And it's not something which is just personal. It is something which is salt and light to transform society. And we need power in the day in which we're living. Acts is the narrative of our triune God on a mission to reach the lowest and the least, to reach the ends of the earth. But to do that, the need of the hour is power. We need power. And so the church in the book of Acts, as we read it, is a story of a church that was empowered by the Holy Spirit to transform the world. And boy, you've got to remember this, it's over a period of 30 years. Sometimes people read the book of Acts as if it happened in a week. But this church went from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, the Roman earth, preaching the gospel and transforming society, making Jesus known. And J.B. Phillips, in his introduction into the book of Acts, says it's impossible to spend several months in study of the book of Acts without being profoundly stirred and, to be honest, disturbed. So this morning, I want to stir you and disturb you. I don't know which one you need this morning. Do you need a bit of stirring or do you need a bit of disturbing? <laughs> Both. So let's just look at this, this text Three very simple points. <laughs> you wouldn't get anything else from me. And that is, but you will receive power. Firstly, first point, you will receive. Who is the you? Who is the you will receive? Who is this? Spoke? Jesus is speaking to who? Well, clearly he's speaking to his disciples. And clearly in the book of Acts, we see that. We know, as Andy spoke last, over the last two weeks, they went to Jerusalem. They waited in Jerusalem, not a good place to go to because of the authorities, but they went obediently to Jerusalem and prayed. And in Acts 2, verse 2, there was a suddenly, 
a wind, a mighty sort of wind breaks into the prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit tongues of flames and the power of the Holy Spirit came and, and their life was completely transformed. Such was the joy, such was the enthusiasm, such was the power of the Holy Spirit. People immediately thought as they saw this life spilling out of the church building, these men, these men are drunk. Their behaviour is so, they're so caught up and so excited, so full of life, so full of joy. But it would be not true to say, and it ended after two weeks, and that was great. No, it carries on. It carries on beyond the 12. It carries on into Paul and Silas in Acts 16 in, the, in Philippi. They're, they're, th they're, they're thrown into prison and uh, there's no way out of a prison in Rome, is there? But then there was a suddenly, there was an earthquake. The Holy Spirit came. There's a suddenlies of God. So it was for them. It's not just for the 12. It was for the, the, the next generation. And we know because we, we're going to read the book of Acts, that when Peter in Acts chapter 2 uh, stands up and starts to preach, uh, and, and cause people to repent, cause people to know Jesus Christ. He says this, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for all. Can you say all? Not for one or two. Not for the prophet, not for the preacher, not for the priest, for all. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for the church of every generation. You will receive power. How do we receive? I mean, Luke in his gospel, as well as in Acts, encourages the church to be asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's for the Father's glory. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask, Jesus says in Luke 11. There is, a, there is a desire on the part of the church that God is looking for, even this morning, to say, give me the Holy Spirit, fill me with the Holy Spirit. But the person who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit or the community of people that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is us. Not just one of us us together how will Westminster Chapel in our day and generation fulfill the call of God on this group of people in this building at this time it is for us together to be filled with the Holy Spirit amen I'm saying that because we need to be so convinced of the Trinitarian plan that we want to be in on what God is in on. And we don't want to go against the grain and ruin it because of our own individualism. And most people in our society, and it is catching, is individualitis. More toxic than measles or COVID, it can ruin a church. It can ruin any community. And the evangelical Western church, the rise of individualitis, of self has come at, de at the deconstruction of denominations and creeds and structures and churches. It's a me-centered gospel. It's I've invited Jesus into my life and it's me and Jesus now. I don't need anybody else, which is not the gospel. 
We're saved out of meism, individualitis, into a church community. And how we get prepared for all eternity and the story we write on earth is we write it together. We don't write one story and that's the only story. The plural is you. The individual is I. I is in the middle of sin, it's in the middle of pride and it's in the middle of DIY. And we've got many DIY Christians at the moment building a house which is going to fall down. It will not last because the only house that lasts is his house, which is his church, which he's committed to building. I will build my church. But he includes us as living stones into that building program and we do the mission by being filled with the Holy Spirit. A tr- a, a, an incredible quote which you might, lo- might lose because it's a little bit long, but Carl Truman says, the belief that we are special is by and large complete tosh. He's writing to Christians. Before you say, yeah, but I'm a child of God. Yeah, you are. But he says, most of us are mediocre. Can I hear an amen to that? Our unique contribution, contribution is only in the particular ways We mess things up. Amen. That's so true of me. Yet far too many Christians, they have a sense of destiny that verges on the messianic. That's true. You meet Christians, it's all about my ministry. The church doesn't even feature. It's my ministry, me and God. Put bluntly, when I read the Bible, it seems to me that the church is the meaning of human history. That is it in a nutshell. The church is the meaning of human history. Can I hear an amen? But it is the church as a corporate body, not the distinct individuals that make up her membership. My destiny, your destiny, all our destinies as a believer is to take part in the church. It is the church that is the big player in God's big plan, not me. Amen. Amen. That's so important we get that. You will receive power. We need a church united in its desire to do something wonderful for God, but believing that we'll only do something wonderful for God when the Holy Spirit comes on us together. I'm not interested in having a little experience this morning of the Holy Spirit and the blow the rest of you. I'm interested in the Holy Spirit touching all of our lives in our togetherness and speaking to us in our togetherness about His great plans on the earth. Amen. Amen. The need of the hour is power. Now, I, another little practical illustration, because and this you don't have to join into this, but I'd like you to. You know, in our togetherness, it's very difficult building a. Oh, I messed mine up, Heather. Uh, it's very difficult in a city centre church to build community. This church does really well, having meals, doing well. My headache every week is trying to remember someone's name. Anybody agree with that? Because we have lots of visitors and therefore it is hard. So this morning I'd like you to all, and I think the welcome team are ready to do this, they're going to give you a label and I'd like you to write your name on it. You don't have to do this, it's not sort of any tree-line whip, but I'd really appreciate you doing it. And just put your name on your shirt or your blouse. So, not, and here's the, here's the homework 
putting, you, putting this into action, here's the homework. Afterwards, after the ministry time and everything else, when we're chatting, having coffee or having food, just go over to one or two people you've never said hello to before and say, I just want to thank God for you. Thank God for you, Guy. I just want to thank God for you, Heather. Just say to someone that. You haven't got anything more than that. You haven't got to buy them a drink or anything else. But you're going to build our community and get us to understand who's in the room. So please, if you don't mind, put a little label on and it will remind you too that God is interested in us, not individuals in terms of one person where it all happens. Okay, second point. The label's still going round, thank you. You can carry on doing that as I do point two. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It says in verse four, wait for what the Father has promised. What has the Father promised? You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word baptized, baptizo, is a word that is a Greek word which is used by dyers uh, to plunge or immerse or submerge a piece of material so it is totally and utterly saturated, soaked. It's not dipping, it's plunging. It also became very synonymous with uh, the Jewish, uh, Greek-speaking Jews of the time to be an act of purification, setting aside something for God. So the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if you follow the Greek, is you and I together being plunged, immersed, drowned, submerged in the Holy Spirit. We lose every pit of our sort of self-identity and lost in the baptism of the Spirit. And it's a setting apart of us as a people of God for God's work, to be holy for his job, his work, what he's commissioned us to do. My question to you this morning, I want you to answer this to yourself. When Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, what did the disciples expect to happen? Just think about that for a second. Jesus goes, I'm returning to the Father, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What did they expect as they gathered would happen? I can guarantee they didn't expect nothing. If living with Jesus, and it must have been a riot, seeing Jesus raise the dead, seeing Jesus heal the sick, seeing Jesus touch the children, it must have been an amazing. And Jesus says, it's better that I go, and then I can send the third person of the Trinity, I can send the Holy Spirit. I don't think any of the disciples were going, God, that sounds a bit boring. I bet nothing happens now. Now, I bet they were praying and saying, when are you going to send the Holy Spirit? When are you going to send the Holy Spirit? Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. They're looking for the Holy Spirit to baptize them, to plunge them. R. Kent Hughes says, spiritual power rolled through them. Greg Haslam, a pastor of this church, talked about they, the disciples were frightened rabbits and they became fearless ferrets. 
after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't enthusiasm. It wasn't zeal. It wasn't patrol. This was a supernatural God on human flesh doing only what God can do in accordance with the promises of God. That's why we need to be men and women of Scripture. This was in accordance with the prophecy in Joel 2.28 that God in the last days, and we're living in the last days, would pour out His Spirit on His sons and His daughters that they would prophesy, that they would dream dreams, that they would encounter Him, the Holy Spirit, and encounter the triune God in their worship and, and be transformed by that power and that renewal. The promise is for the whole church, not a leader, not the special ones. Not the zealous ones or the holy ones or the ones who got their life together or the young ones or the beautiful ones. The promise is for all of us. All. Can you say all? Are you part of the all? Am I part of the all? All. It's to all of us that we will receive the Holy Spirit. God's promise is for all of us. So the need of the hour is one of us now. The need of the hour is not worldly power. Please hear this. Not power to control, power to manipulate, power to make you fall over, power to make you feel intimidated. Not power to light up a platform so that the preacher is, oh, wow, he was amazing. Not power like that. It's human power. And we can confuse it sometimes when you have these incredibly clever people who can speak and have got erudition. Not lightning bolts falling from the top of Westminster Chapel. But power in our relationships. Power in our worship. Power in our life. Power in our family. Power in our mental health. Power in our physical health power in our togetherness, power in all aspects and power in our witness. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. Now, just by way of illustration of power, we, we spend a lot of time in London and at home we've got a very old Ford Cougar, which is a diesel Ford Cougar. And we have the engine management light, warning light comes on every time we go home. And if you take it to the garage, the garage says, the reason it's coming on is you're not driving this car as it's supposed to be driven. You're driving it, dribbling around. This is Heather's driving. Dribbling around Bournemouth, doing 10 mile an hour, picking up groceries. This needs to be on the high road, on a journey, with your foot flat on the floor. And you know, when, when my garage mechanic told me that, I thought, that's the church of Jesus Christ. We're pootling around. Oh, don't go too fast this morning. Let's slow it down a bit. Don't want to get too excited about God, do we? Let's keep it really under wraps. No, we're meant to put our foot flat on the floor Sunday by Sunday so the Holy Spirit blows through us and we're caught up with God on His big mission and our lives are transformed as the Spirit moves upon us. So let's look at the warning light this morning and say, are we driving at the right speed? Or do we need to put our foot down and welcome the Holy Spirit to do more amongst us? So to be my witnesses, 
witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the story of Acts. It's an amazing story. And the story is still going on. We're still part of that story, writing this same story. Jesus says to those early disciples, he designated them apostles and he told them to be empowered by the Holy Spirit because they needed that so they could supernaturally be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And they were. And most of them died declaring what they saw. A witness isn't an erudite speaker. A witness isn't someone who can put together a good theology. A witness is someone who just talks about what they've seen. These disciples saw Jesus' life, they saw his death, they saw his resurrection. And they just talked about Jesus. Now those of us Christians in the room, we have seen Jesus, we have beheld him through the preaching of his word. The Holy Spirit has brought illumination to our hearts and we have seen Jesus who has been brought back to life and has offered eternal life for all those who trust on him. And that is our story. That is what makes us unique, set apart for God's eternal purposes. We've encountered Jesus, we've seen Jesus. And that's what it means to be a witness. We're just to tell other people, Jesus is alive. Jesus has died for sin. Jesus has made a way for you to know him. That's what a witness is. It's not someone who's got a very clever story. It's not someone who can preach a sermon. It's someone who's declaring that they've seen Jesus, encountered Jesus, and he's changed their life. All of us, brothers and sisters, have got an amazing story of what Jesus has done in our life. It's all different. It's all unique. And that's the only story we've got to tell. I haven't got to tell Josh's story this morning. He hasn't got to tell my story. We just tell our story of all that God has done for me. And God, by his Holy Spirit, empowers that witness so that people we tell the story to say, can I come with you? Can I come and know more? Can I come and hear what you're talking about? God wants to fill this building with people inquiring after him because we've touched their lives And we're not going to touch their lives by our clever words. I promise you that. We will touch their lives when they see people who are alive in the Holy Spirit, who can't stop help talking about what God has done in their lives. That's when people start coming, when they want to see what's made the difference. Why are you so excited? Why are you so alive? Because Jesus is alive. And Jesus is building his church. This Jesus, God raised up. Acts 2.32, and we are all witnesses. Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life. God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses. We are witnesses. A witness is not a Jehovah's Witness. A witness is not a preacher. A witness is someone who believed that Jesus Christ is God, come in the flesh, died for sin, raised to life, and grants everlasting life to all who believe on him. And God wants us, brothers and sisters, to be witnesses. To be a witness, we must have the logos, the word of Christ. We must also have the ethos, which is the inner reality of sanctification, but also the pathos of the intimacy and life of the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, as a body, as a community for his glory, because the need of the hour is power. 
Our need on this hour, brothers and sisters, is power. So if the worship team would like to come back up, I want to finish by just challenging us all. The love language of heaven is obedience. Jesus fully obeyed the Father. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Son. And the Father will give the Holy Spirit this morning to everyone who asks. What are you asking for this morning? The need of the hour is power. And I don't know about you, I need more power in my life, my witness. I need more power in our togetherness, in our life together. We need more power in our worship as we gather to worship now. We need more power, don't we? Power when the Holy Spirit moves and heals or delivers or uh, lights someone up, lifts the desperation, the breaks through on their, their need at this moment. In here, just a few nights ago, we had a band, like an orchestra, and it had a, a conductor. And it was an amazing evening. It was a free one as well. It made it even better. And Heather, I love watching the conductor because he would pull out sort of this tuba or this clarinet with his stick. And he, he got really carried away at one point, sort of. It was just fantastic. And, oh, hey, hey, it's just fantastic. And different people in the, in the orchestra lit up as he pointed to them, the drums, the trumpet, the clarinet. Wow, this is fantastic. All theme musics of Mission Impossible and Gladiator and Star Wars. It's just a wonderful evening. But I, I was there and I'm, I'm thinking about Sunday and I'm thinking, the Father is the conductor of the church. And He sent His Holy Spirit upon individuals in the church and He's going, you, 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 to come alive, to be rescued, to be saved, to bring gifts of the Holy Spirit, to bring testimony. Every Sunday, I want you to think from now on this year, every Sunday, it's not the preacher that's conducting the church. It's not Mike or the worship group. It's the Father. And He wants to make beautiful music in the power of His Spirit in our lives by touching one after the other. And so even as we worship this morning, there may be scriptures, there may be testimonies, there may be prophecies, there may be tongues that you want to bring to make this beautiful melody of heaven. And Paul and I and others are down here just to help you in terms of sharing that. But why don't we stand and why don't we just, ref just take a moment to pause just to reflect the Father's eternal plan to glorify His Son. And that is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that continues today in his church because the church needs power. And the Father promised, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So start just asking in your heart now. Ask for yourself, but ask for this church to know the power of God upon it. Come, Holy Spirit, glorify the Son, Father, we want Jesus to be lifted high in these moments. And so I pray for the whole orchestra, conduct the orchestra, Lord, as you seem fit, that this time will be wonderful for you. Bring glory to your name and build your church and empower us to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.
Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.